When we look up the meaning of temptation, we mostly find definitions like this. The desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. It seems to always have a negative twist, but what if temptation is a good thing? Let's dive deeper into that idea on today's A Critical Faith Podcast with Pastor Sue Collar of First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Following Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist, Matthew tells us that Jesus went out into the desert and fasted for 40 days. At the end of those 40 days, Jesus faced a series of temptations, which would ultimately determine the path of his ministry. Listen for the word of God for us today from Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempster came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, God will command the angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve only God. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. I gave in to temptation last week. Did you? In my case, I saw it coming a mile away, or to be a little bit more accurate, about five miles away. That's how far it is from the church to the grocery store. And I was going to stop at the store on my way home from work one day, and I know better than to do this. All the studies have shown that if you go to the store when you're hungry, you're going to end up buying things that you really didn't want to buy. I did it anyway. All the time thinking, as I am driving to the store, this is a really bad idea. Darn those marketing geniuses who put Ben and Jerry's ice cream right there when you walk in the door. How I envy people who don't like ice cream or sweets or breads, three of my downfalls. If those things just didn't tempt me, my life would be so much easier and I'd probably be a little healthier too. In some ways, life would be easier if we weren't tempted. But temptation really is an important part of our lives, an important part of developing into mature, faith-filled people, an important part of us finding our journey that will take us through the dark wood to a life of wholeness and abundance. One of the most famous temptation stories is the one we just heard, the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. 
like many of you, I have read the story my whole life. And, and I have to admit, most of the time when I think about this story, I was thinking, Jesus is so lucky because he really wasn't tempted like the rest of us are. For every temptation that the devil, the adversary, threw at him, he had an easy comeback and he turned away. But if Scripture is to be believed, Jesus actually was tempted. The version of this story that we find in the Gospel of Luke is a little bit more blunt, where it says Jesus was tempted by the devil. Matthew just says Jesus went out into the wilderness to be tempted. Luke says, no, he was actually tempted, recognizing that Jesus was both fully human as well as God, not just a God in human form. So he dealt with temptation just like we do. May have handled it a little better, but he still knew what it was to be tempted. But let's look at the nature of those temptations. Jesus was famished after fasting for 40 days, so the tempter tempts him at his point of greatest need. Turn stones into bread. Feed your hunger. But it wasn't just about satisfying his own hunger. It was about proving who he was. If you're really the son of God, prove it by turning these stones into bread. Feed the hungry. Now, of course, Jesus had compassion for those who were hungry. And in his ministry, he did feed hungry people, but not everyone. He did not eliminate hunger in the course of his ministry. To do that at the snap of his fingers, I mean, what a gift that would be to the world. But Jesus said, no, not going to go down that road. The second temptation hit Jesus at one of his strongest points, his faith in God. If you are the son of God, throw yourself off of this temple for don't the scriptures say that God's angels will stop you from even stubbing your toe? Prove that you are the Son of God by doing this great miracle. Think about this. If Jesus' whole ministry was about miracles, people would be flocking to him. They would be coming from all over. He wouldn't be able to keep people away from him. And I know we see some of that in the scripture, but if you actually really look, Jesus didn't do that many miracles over the course of three years. But if he did, well, wouldn't people believe? And isn't that the goal, that people believe in Jesus Christ? But Jesus said no to that as well. He said there's a difference between testing God and having faith in God. And if Jesus had given in, again, I think he would have had a ton of followers, and I think he would have given a lot of hope to a lot of people. If Jesus can do all these miracles, then maybe he could do a miracle in my life. But faith would have been traded for belief, but only for as long as the miracles still happened. And then there was the third temptation, power over all the nations in this world. If only Jesus would worship the devil. Imagine, in one fell swoop, Jesus could have brought the kingdom of God to earth in its fullness. He could have directed resources to where they were needed. He could have done as the prophet Amos talked about, have justice flow down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Hatred, racism, sexism, all would be gone. And of course, then there's world peace. And even then Jesus said no. Why? Isn't that part of why Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to earth? Theologian Frederick Bruner says that if Jesus had said yes, he would have made his work his God. The goal would have been the kingdom, 
not God. Looking at all three of these uh, temptations on the surface, Jesus was actually tempted to do some very good things. Feed the hungry, do miracles that would change people's lives, fast-track the kingdom of God. But just because something is good does not mean it is the good we are called to do. Jesus left the wilderness and he made a choice. He embarked on a different path, one focused on feeding people's souls, not just their stomachs, on healing relationships, not just bodies, on transforming lives, not just political structures. All of those things were good things, and there are people who are called to do that. But that was not the path for Jesus. Can you imagine if Jesus had given in, though? None of those temptations held a cross at the end of them. Even our stories would have been very different had Jesus given in to any of those temptations. We certainly wouldn't be looking forward to celebrating Easter. I can only speak for myself. At times, I do give in to the temptations before me, for especially the ones for immediate gratification, thus the pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream that I bought. That kind of temptation I really wish would never come my way. But I'm very grateful for other temptations that have helped me find my way. Years ago, I was tempted to leave a ministry position I was in. I was, I was truly miserable there. All of my friends were telling me, you got to get out of there. This is not a good place. Encouraged me to go find a healthier church. I finally gave in to that temptation. I put my resume out there and started interviewing churches. After turning down several very, very good offers, I realized that I was actually right where my gifts and my passions called me to. I gained clarity about the direction God was leading me simply by exploring the temptation to leave. You see, temptations are temptations because they resonate with something deeply within us. They tap into something we long for. And unless we go around giving into urges to commit crimes or engage in bad behavior, chances are the things that tempt us are actually really good things. Some of my biggest temptations are about wanting to be like someone I admire. I think of these people that I know who really are out there making a difference in the world. They are making people's lives better. They are connecting with people and, and sharing God's love, and, and I want to be like them. How could that be a bad thing? But each of us is our own unique person, made in God's image and called to a path that is uniquely ours and ours alone. No matter how good the person is we're trying to imitate, if we try to walk their path, then we're not walking our path. We're choosing someone else's good rather than the unique good God is calling us to do. Doesn't mean there isn't something in that admiring of other people that can't help shape our own path, but let it inspire us to find our path and not simply copy theirs. Eric Elness says that the temptation to do the wrong good is one of the greatest gifts you can receive as it continually challenges you to discern between the good you are called to do and the good you are specifically not called to do. The question I ask is, if I give in to the temptation to do that good, what's the greater good I'm giving up? Am I settling for feeding bodies when I'm being called to feed souls? Am I settling for a temporary good than a transforming good? Both are needed. But by asking the question and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit through, as we've been talking about these past couple weeks, 
the thunder of a thousand small steps, can we see the path God is calling us to? Maybe it is feeding the body. But what if the path God is leading us toward is really feeding the soul? What if it's transforming our communities so that no one ever need be hungry and need that kind of help? It's all about paying attention to the patterns we see in our intuition and our hunches and our, our flashes of insight and seeing where they lead us. The temptations are just one more piece of those thousand small steps that resonate with God's voice. As much as it may challenge us, Logic, reason, strategy, they're not always the best tools for hearing God's voice. It made no sense for James and John to leave their father's fishing business and go follow Jesus. Just like it made no sense for Lazarus' friends to open his tomb when Jesus said that their friend who'd been dead for three days was alive. Maybe one of the biggest temptations we face is to give all of our power and all of our hope to a logic and reason when the Spirit is asking us for faith. Do we have the faith to follow and to listen? So I guess a question that's always worth asking is, how do you know when you have fallen into temptation, when you've given into it? How about if you've convinced yourself that no one else can do what you're doing? That if you aren't doing it, everything will stop and fall apart. How about if no one is supporting you? This happens a lot in churches. People say, well, we want this thing to happen, and then... One person feels obligated to do it, but no one steps up to help. Well, is that really the path God is calling you on? My guess is probably not. Same question for our own lives. How are we being supported on the path we're on? Do we have that support? By the way, if we don't, it doesn't necessarily mean we're on the wrong path. You may just be in a difficult spot or a temporary rocky part on the path. But it is a good sign that maybe we should be asking some different questions. What if you're exhausted? What if you go through every day thinking, if I could just make it through the next week or the next project or the next year? What if you've convinced yourself that exhaustion is a sign of success and worth, that overworking is a sign that you are doing what God is calling you to do? Well, every path is going to be exhausting Sometimes, just like every job is going to have pieces of it that, that we don't like. But if you're exhausted all the time, if there's nothing about your job you like, maybe these are signs that you have made your work your God. You see, sometimes we're given to temptations without even realizing we've done it. You know, maybe we were on the right path and the path turned. But we were so entrenched in that path we were on that we didn't notice the path took a turn and we just kept barreling straight ahead, no longer doing what God has called us to do. So how do you know when you've missed that path? And how do you know when you're on that right path? For me, the first thing is to remember that Jesus came that we might have abundant life. So does a path you're on bring you alive? Does it build you up or does it tear you down? Does it stretch you? Does it challenge you to grow? Does it bring you joy? Remember, even work that is hard can bring joy. I think it's powerful that Jesus willingly went into the wilderness to be tempted. I believe it helped him clarify the path that was uniquely his. He emerged from the wilderness with a ministry focused on one thing, not power over others, but sharing the power of God's love. He restored people's hope in a God who loved them, who saw them. He modeled a way of life that 
leads to abundance, that leads to joy in life, no matter the circumstances. He called people to rediscover what it meant to be loved by God, what it meant to have God's love shape everything they do. Temptation can do the same thing for us. It can help us discover and clarify our own path. So what tempts you? To do a good that is not yours and to not do the good that God has specifically given you the gifts and the passions to do. What is the good that tempts you? Is it your good to do? Or is God calling you to something greater? Thank you for listening and engaging with today's podcast. You are important and we invite you to journey with us at First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, a place where your faith will be nurtured, your curiosity is encouraged, diversity is welcomed, and all are loved. Discover more by going to fpclincoln.org as well as liking our Facebook page at First Presbyterian Church, Lincoln, Nebraska. And please join us again next week.